So I, I know you've got a lot going on. But remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct. Happy 2021, you guys. I have missed you so much. It feels like I have been gone forever. I feel like I haven't made an episode in so long. However, this break was so needed. So thank you for bearing with me. And I hope you guys had a safe holiday, whether you spent that with your family or your friends or just yourself. This past holiday season definitely felt different, as I'm sure a lot of you can agree with and relate too, but I'm very excited to start the new year off in 2021 with a brand new Killer Instinct episode, and I hope you guys are as well. I can't wait to take on the new year with you, and thank you so much for sticking around and being the best part of my 2020. We are kicking off the new year with an extremely bizarre solved case today. Today, we are talking about the murder of 17-year-old Michelle Avila. So without any further ado, let's get into it. Michelle Avila was born on February 8th, 1968 to her mother, Irene Avila, and her father, Ernest Sr. Now, Michelle, who also went by the name Missy growing up, grew up living with her mother and her three brothers. She had three brothers named Ernie, Chris, and Mark, and all of them lived in Los Angeles, California, more specifically a town called Arlita, located in the San Fernando Valley. Missy attended San Fernando High School, and for all things considered, she was fairly popular at school. She was absolutely gorgeous. She was a gorgeous girl. She had light brown hair and green eyes, and her looks definitely attracted a lot of attention from the boys who attended the school as well. And not only that, she also got a decent amount of negative attention from other girls who were were jealous of her looks and of the attention that she was getting. However, regardless of her getting bullied, Missy did have one friend who would always stick up for her and fight her battles for her when it came to Missy being bullied, and that girl was a girl named Karen Severson. Missy and Karen were best friends. They knew each other since they were eight years old, and they really grew up together. Karen describes the first day she ever met Missy was when Missy had moved into a house on the same street as Karen, and the two of them became neighbors. Missy went over to Karen's house one day and had asked if she had seen her cat who had gone missing, and Karen tried to help find the cat with Missy, and ever since that day, the two of them had been best friends. So like I said, Missy would get bullied in school, and Karen oftentimes would fight her battles for her. 
but I mean this literally. Missy started referring to Karen as her bodyguard because Karen would physically fight the other girls who would make fun of Missy. However, this wasn't just a one-way street. According to Missy's family, Karen would also get bullied for her appearance, and Missy would also stand up for her as well. While Missy is described as being a 5'2", thin girl, Karen was described as a little bit taller, she was more overweight, and an easier target when it came to her appearance for kids to bully her. But things began to change when Karen was 14 years old and she actually ended up becoming pregnant, and due to this, she ended up dropping out of school, which caused a divide in her friendship with Missy because the two of them weren't seeing each other as often. And during the time that Karen was taking off from school, Missy started dating a boy named Randy. Randy was more of the bad boy at the school and was known for his constant partying, and this actually ended up being a really big problem in their relationship, so much so that Missy ended up breaking up with Randy because of this. Now, Randy and Missy only dated for about a month. However, after they broke up, Karen actually began her own relationship with Randy. The two of them started dating and they even ended up moving into an apartment together. At this point, Karen did go back to school. However, because of her new relationship with Randy, along with the fact that Karen said that she felt like Missy was neglecting her for other boys and quote-unquote was dropping her, their friendship didn't necessarily heal once Karen got back to school. There was also an incident where one time at a party, Randy was seen by Karen pulling Missy onto his lap, to which Missy rejected him and told him to get off of her. And she also went up to Karen and told Karen about the incident and advised her to break off her relationship with Randy, which in turn just made Karen more angry about the situation. So let's talk about Missy in high school because according to Missy's brothers, they said that Missy got involved with the wrong crowd. Her friends were constantly partying and were getting involved with drugs, and her brother Mark said Missy and him had gotten into a huge fight over this right before the time of her death, because according to him, he was trying to warn her about her actions. Also, in high school, Missy and Karen would both skip class all of the time when they were friends, and because of this, both of their grades began to drop. So after a while, they actually ended up transferring high schools, and instead of going to San Fernando High, they now attended San Fernando Mission, which was a school for students who had trouble keeping up with their grades and schoolwork. So at this time is when a new girl comes into the picture, and this girl's name is Laura Doyle. Laura had also known both Karen and Missy for a long period of time. She was in the same grade as both of the girls, and she also lived on the same street as them. Now, when it came to the relationship that the three of them had together, this is where it kind of gets confusing. There are some sources that say that Karen and Laura didn't like Missy at all, and they both had it out for her, 
And there are some that say that they were all very close and almost had a sister-like bond. I think what we do know to be true is the fact that all of the girls had known each other for a very long time, since they were about eight years old. And over time, there definitely are going to be some disagreements and some fights along the way. But 10 days before Missy's disappearance on September 23rd, 1985, Karen and Missy were actually seen in a neighborhood park getting into a physical fight. A witness who saw the fight said that Karen had threatened to hit Missy with an empty beer bottle. Then she pushed her onto the ground before she began hitting Missy. Now, prior to this incident, when it came to the arguments that the girls would have before, Missy's mom, Irene, said that the two of them had gotten into multiple arguments that were mainly just about boys, and she was aware of the September 23rd fight as well. Irene said that at the time of Missy's disappearance, Missy and Karen hadn't talked for at least a month. However, two weeks prior to Missy's death, Irene said that Karen had actually visited her at her home and started talking to her about Missy. Irene said, quote, Karen started telling me a bunch of dirty things about my daughter. She said, my daughter took everyone's boyfriend away and that she was a big flirt. And I told her, if you're not going to talk right, just get out, end quote. So with all of that backstory being said, let's move on to the day that Missy went missing. This was October 2nd, 1985. And on this day, Missy told her mom, Irene, that Laura Doyle was coming to pick her up and the two of them were going to hang out and spend the day together. According to Irene, Laura picked up Missy at about 3.30 p.m. that afternoon, and she saw the two of them laughing and joking together. Irene said that Missy was in a really, really good mood this day, and told her mom that her and Laura were going to the park, and that she would call Irene at about 8 o'clock p.m. that night just to check in. Now, the park that Missy was referring to is called Colby Canyon, and Colby Canyon was located in the Angeles National Forest. Forest, and it's a place where Missy and her friends would go pretty often. They would go there and party and drink and hang out with their friends. So because this was a frequently visited spot, Irene didn't think anything of it when hearing that they were going to be going back to the place that they had gone a million times before. However, something very very different happened this time. That same night on October 2nd at about 6 o'clock p.m., which was two hours prior before Missy told her mom she was going to call her, Irene actually received an unexpected phone call from Laura. When Irene picked up the phone, Laura asked if she could talk to Missy. Now, obviously, Irene was very confused at this point because she was under the impression that Missy was with her. However, this is when Laura told Irene that she dropped Missy off with three boys while she had gone off and gotten gas. Laura said these three boys were driving a blue Camaro, and after getting gas, Laura said she turned around and returned back to where she dropped Missy off with the boys. However, she and the boys were gone. And in reference to the phone call, Irene said, quote, it hit me kind of funny. I stayed up all night with that front door open to see if my daughter was coming home, and she never did, end quote. 
Immediately the next morning, Irene reported Missy as a missing person to the authorities, and two days after the report was filed, Missy's body was discovered in a creek pinned underneath a log. Missy's body was found in the Angeles National Forest, a place Missy knew very well. However, instead of being at Colby Canyon, she was found in a completely separate part of the park. And when her body was discovered, she was found with inches of her hair chopped off and a four-foot log found on the back of her neck. And her cause of death was determined to be drowning. Now, obviously, the discover of Missy's body had everyone torn apart. No one could possibly understand who or why someone would want to hurt Missy. And as far as finding her killer, all the police and Missy's family really had to go off of was the Camaro car that Laura claimed to have seen when dropping Missy off with the three other boys. And while the police were looking for Missy's killer, Irene, Karen, and Laura were also doing everything that they could to help as well. Irene said that her, Karen, and Laura would go out night after night together and look for a Camaro. The three of them would stop cars that were driving along the street at late hours of the night and make people get out of them just to see who was inside of them. Karen and Laura also attended Missy's funeral, and after the funeral, Laura sent a sympathy card to Irene containing $20 in it. In reference to the card, Irene said, quote, she said she was so heartbroken about what happened to my daughter. She also said not only was I Missy's mother, but I was her mother too." End quote. Now, when it came to the investigation, both Laura and Karen were extremely cooperative with the authorities, so much so that the authorities said that if they ever needed to talk to the girls, they would be there to speak with them. Both girls would also accompany Irene to the police station as well when they wanted to speak to her. That way, she didn't have to go alone. Now, here is where we get to the point where there are multiple versions of this story. Because according to Missy's family, Karen and her two-year-old child actually ended up moving in with Missy's family after Missy's body was discovered. However, according to Karen, she said that she didn't move in with the family. However, she would just go visit them very frequently. Karen also started drinking every single day, and when asked by Irene why she was doing that, Karen would tell her, quote, "'It's because I lost my best friend.'" end quote. She even went as far as cutting out pictures of Missy and putting them all over the walls of her room, which again, according to Irene, is the time that Karen was living with her and her family. Karen would also go and visit Missy's grave several times a week and would go visit the creek where her body was discovered as well. And one time, Irene said that Karen claimed to have seen Missy's ghost. Laura was also visiting Irene frequently and even went as far as telling Irene that she wanted to commit suicide because she was the last person to see Missy alive and she felt a tremendous amount of guilt for that. Now, to reiterate on Laura's story, the story of when she last saw Missy, Laura told authorities that she dropped Missy off at Branford Park while she went to go get gas. And according to Laura, she said that when she left Missy, Missy was talking to three young men 
all sitting in a blue Chevy Camaro. Now, regardless of Laura's story, it was never really confirmed why she would leave Missy with these three young men in the first place. It was never said that Missy told her to go off and go get gas without her. It was never mentioned that they knew these people. These were three strangers that Laura was leaving Missy with. And then when Laura came back from getting gas, she said that Missy, the young men, and the car were all gone. And this was the story that police had to go off of. For three years, this was the story, and police never could figure out what happened to Missy or who was responsible for this. Now, Laura did change her story two years after Missy's murder, saying that she dropped Missy off at a neighborhood church and not at Branford Park like she had initially stated, and she said that she previously lied to cover up a drug deal that was going on, but again, for three years, that was the story. But then, everything began to unravel. Okay, we're going to take a short break, but we will be right back with more of the Killer Instinct podcast. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Well, Apartments.com's Instant Alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let Apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, Apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, Apartments Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. All right, you guys, welcome back. In July 1988, there was a girl who came forward and her name is Eva. Now, Eva came forward to the authorities and told them that she was there the night of Missy's disappearance. And this is where she told authorities her side of the story. On the night of October 2nd, Laura had picked Missy up from her house and the two of them began driving to the park where Missy's body would later be discovered. However, they weren't the only ones going there. According to Eva, she said that her and Karen were also following Laura's car that had Missy in it. And when they all arrived to the park, Laura Missy and Karen got out of the car and began walking deeper into the wooded area. Now, it is unclear whether or not Missy was aware that Karen and Eva were there until they got to the park. That part has never been revealed. However, Eva decided to stay in the car while the other three girls got out of it. Now, Karen had actually gone on the Dr. Phil show. She did a Dr. Phil interview that you can find on YouTube about her version of what happened once they got to the park. So I'm going to explain the next series of events from what she says 
happened that day. Which I wanna clarify, up until this point, no one was aware that Karen was there at the park that day. No one knew that. Karen was living in Missy's home, allegedly, seeing her mom every single day, helping out, trying to find Missy. However, no one was aware that Karen was actually there that day. Now, according to Karen, who said that she had years of resentment built up towards Missy at this point, Karen said that Laura herself and Missy started walking down a trail at the park, and at a certain point, Missy stopped and said that she didn't want to walk any further. And this is when Karen said that she and Laura both chopped off pieces of Missy's hair. And this is when Laura and Missy started screaming at each other. And Karen said she watched as Laura started backing into a creek, telling Missy to get into the creek with her. That way they could fight. Missy didn't walk towards the creek. She didn't want to get anywhere near it. However, with her back facing Karen, Karen then went up to her and pushed her into the creek with Laura. Once Missy was in the water, Laura had then tied up Missy's hands behind her back and straddled herself on top of her. Karen was still there at this point, and this is when she said that Laura picked up Missy from out of the water and Karen locked eyes with Missy. However, she then turned her back away and started walking towards the car, leaving Laura to be the one to kill Missy. So now the police had the real story of what happened that day, they were finally able to make arrests. According to Karen, she said, quote, bizarre as it sounds, the day I was arrested was the best day of my life. Keeping the secret was horrible. It was a relief. I was finally free from this huge burden I had been carrying. End quote. Then, in March 1990, Karen and Laura were both convicted of second-degree murder and sentenced to 15 years in prison. However, Karen ended up serving 23 and a half years and was released on December 9, 2011, and Laura was released in December 2012 after serving 22 years. And it was once the two girls got arrested, the truth about their relationship with Missy started to surface. According to the people who knew both Karen and Missy, they said, quote, Karen was definitely jealous of Missy. Missy was prettier, and she had a lot of friends. Karen was always fighting. She always had something to prove. Missy just had to be herself, end quote. It was also said that Karen had a strange obsession with Missy. Irene said, quote, if another girl wanted to be Missy's friend, Karen would make sure that that girl did not get close to her. She was very possessive of my daughter, end quote. A friend of the three girls said, quote, if Karen didn't go anywhere, she didn't want Missy to go anywhere either. She didn't want her to have other friends, end quote. Even Mark, Missy's brother, said, quote, she knew what the whole family was going through and it didn't phase her. I think Karen wanted to be part of the family. She wanted to be Missy. She wanted to take her place, end quote. Now, Karen, even though she denies this, did basically try to become the surrogate daughter for Irene after Missy's death. Now, whether or not that was intentional or if it was out of guilt or if it was just being about one step ahead of the investigation and everyone else, it's still bizarre. 
to put up pictures in your room everywhere about the investigation and Missy and living with the family and being there every step of the way, all while knowing exactly what happened the entire time, is extremely disturbing. Now, once Irene heard the news of the arrests, she said it felt like a punch in the stomach, as you can imagine. These girls who had murdered her daughter had stayed by her side every second of every day, even after knowing exactly what had happened to her. However, Irene said, quote, now I know why Karen was here so much. She wanted to be one step ahead of everybody else, end quote. She also said, quote, I trusted Karen so much. We all trusted her. She was my daughter's best friend. They grew up together. That girl was part of this family, end quote. Now, to make Karen's behavior even more bizarre, after her release from prison, Karen ended up releasing a book. Well, actually, she released two books. The first book she released was called Hope Beyond the Fences, and it was published in June 2013 under the alias K. Crane. Then, in 2014, Karen published a second book called My Life, I Lived It, which weirdly enough was published just two days before the anniversary of Missy's death. Now, I have not read the book. However, from the reviews that I have read from people who have read the book, they say that it is an absolute disgrace and it is clear that Karen has absolutely no remorse for what she did. According to Karen, she said that she was going to donate a portion of the book sales to an upcoming documentary for an anti-bullying campaign and put it in Missy's name. However, in 2015, Missy's family actually sued Karen for this book, and now while the book is still available, Karen does not receive any profit from this book whatsoever. But even if that behavior isn't strange enough, Karen also began traveling to different schools to talk about the dangers of bullying. She's basically becoming an anti-bullying advocate. And this is not someone who just wrote mean comments online or was trolling people or pushed a couple kids around in high school. This was someone who murdered another human being. And while she wasn't the one who physically held Missy under the water and put the log on top of her neck, she was there and she knew everything that happened. And for three years, she kept her mouth shut. And it's not like she came forward to confess because she felt so guilty and the guilt just overcame her it took another girl to come forward and finally spill the truth. So I guess this is where I turn to you and I ask you the question because Karen claims she has changed and I don't know about Laura because we haven't really heard anything from her since her release, but Karen has been trying to put herself back in the spotlight, so it seems, and she claims she has changed. And I guess my question to you is, do you think someone can change after something like this? Now again, Karen and Laura were 17 years old when this happened, and they have done their time in prison. Personally, I do believe you can change. However, I do believe that there are exceptions, A, and I also believe that after you do something like this to go off and write books and make documentaries and go speak at schools, I don't think that that proves that you have changed. 
I think the fact that Karen was trying to profit off of Missy's story is very telling. And I think from the interviews that I have watched from Karen, it is clear that there is very much so some sort of a victim mentality on her side, which to me is crazy talk considering the circumstances. If you go back and watch interviews of Karen, you will see that there are still points where she'll be telling the story and she'll continue to blame Missy in little ways. She'll either say, and Missy just never said she was sorry, and to that day, Missy never apologized, and there's still parts of her that I truthfully believe still blame Missy and still, she, I think Karen views herself as a victim personally. But I am very interested to hear what you guys have to say about this. And with that being said, you guys, that is the end of it here. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the first episode of 2021's Killer Instinct. I cannot wait to see what this year holds. I'm not going to try and jinx it and say it's going to be a great year because I don't know that, but I'm going to hope that it is going to be a great year and I can't wait to continue it with the rest of you. So if you are new here, hi, my name is Savannah. We make episodes every single Wednesday here and you are not going to want to miss it. So go ahead, hit that subscribe button, give the podcast a rating if you have a moment. I'd love to hear your feedback on it in ways that I can improve. And with that being said, you guys, I will see you next week for a brand new Killer Instinct episode. And until then, stay safe, guys. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7.